everyone. Welcome to episode 11 of the Market or Pitch podcast. Welcome back to our show. And this is episode 11, which means we unfortunately only have one more episode left of this current season. We are ending it after episode 12, season one. But don't worry, we actually have some special surprises coming up during our off season, as well as news from season two, uh, season two. So look for that in our next episode. But if you haven't listened to the podcast today, you already know who I am. But if you're a first time listening, I always like to remind our new listeners that I am Corey Davis, and I make up one half of the Market or Pitch podcast. And I'm joined by my co-host, the awesome Yesenia Reynoso. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 11. Corey, we're 11 volumes deep, one step closer towards our season finale. I could shed a tear at the moment. I can't believe we really have gone through 10 episodes, and now we're on our 11th one. Time, where's time have gone? I can't even begin to tell you. And, you know, when we do episode 12 uh, next week uh, and we uh, reflect back as to what has been an incredible season one. Um, I, I, can, I can't even begin to tell you, you know, just how far we have come and to see it now uh, on the precipice of being something uh, incredibly big and to further uh, continue that journey has been absolutely outstanding. And uh, my friend, uh, you hit it right on the nail where um regarding to the plans uh, for um, not only for our off season, but for also for season two, which we're going to explain at, at, uh, at our next episode. Uh, but uh, there's going to be some pretty big surprises coming up for our, for our fans. So please tune in, uh, tune into episode 12 and find out because it is, a, it is going to be so big. You can actually have a mic drop go boom. Oh no, I'm excited. Do I know about the surprise? Maybe I do. But no, I'm like I, I, I have a mind like Dory from Finding Dory, uh, or Finding Nemo. So I probably forgot, but now I just got newly excited about what this mic drop surprise will be for next episode. So everyone everyone stay stay tuned to episode twelve where myself and the the uh, listeners at home will learn the, what this new surprise will be. Oh, it's going to be big and juicy. So uh, tune in to episode 12 next week to find out. Uh, and also, uh, just a FYI, to catch up on all episodes and be part of the Marketer Pitch atmosphere, the podcast is available on all main podcasting mediums, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and many more. Like, comment, share, subscribe, and email us at marketerpitch at gmail.com. All opinions are highly welcome. And I have some breaking news. Yeah, should we add the, you know, should we do like a table? Like a table, <laughs> a drum roll? Yeah, please, because uh, this is pretty big. Uh, we're already starting the surprises uh, an episode early, but we are so pleased to announce that Marketer Pitch is now on YouTube. Yes. YouTube. Awesome. Uh -huh. All 10 and soon to be 11 episodes of Marketer Pitch are now live on our official YouTube channel. Search Marketer Pitch and subscribe to be notified of brand new content. Please do it now if you're near a phone or a computer. Hit the subscribe button. Cha-ching! Please. So uh, with that, uh, just to start things out for this episode and for the week, uh, Yesenia, I just want to hear how was your week? You know, like anything, I just want to ask, did you uh, do anything fun this past week? Or, you know, did you watch any new shows? Or, this is a podcast show, so I want to sh spread love. If you listen to any new podcasts this week, what's, uh, how has your week been? 
Well, I've had a pretty uh, laissez-faire week, uh, Corey. Uh, I actually was really excited because I counted coins with my dad. Uh, it's become traditional uh, in our household. Uh, so my dad and I typically have big, huge uh, stocks of coins uh, in a jar. Awesome. Uh, two big jars. And so we ended up counting coins. Uh, and so it's a, it's a really cool tradition that we've had, uh, you know, for some time. And uh, we, we did get some money. Um, and very soon we'll be taking that to the bank. Uh, do you want to so- share? Do you want to share with the listeners? They count them out. Uh, well, we've had a little over two hundred dollars. Wow! And how and how long? Like, what's the time period between you guys count the coins and do you guys start collecting them? What's that time period? Well, typically, uh, the time period you know to collect the coins uh, is about six months. So uh, we uh, so we collect the coins through a combination of us gathering different types of coins, whether we're using it for. Uh, uh, different types of purposes or if somebody's giving us coins or if we just have spare change we just add them to the jars uh and then once all those jars filled up uh, within that six month period sometimes it goes a little bit more again it just depends as to how our respective schedules uh are flow through but uh typically within six months we get those coins counted we have those little uh brown um coin covers where you put them in yep. uh, and then uh, we count it up, see how much money we have, and then it goes to the bank. Whoa, look at you guys have a mini reserve, U.S. Treasury Reserve going on at your house. We have a little bit of a, ba- we have a mini bank, so <laughs> uh, we're taking all different types of financial requests. Uh, cool. But, but uh, other than coin accounting, um, I am uh, excited about the baseball season. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. been well chronicled by now. Um, Spring training is underway. The Yankees are have been doing well. My team, uh, so uh, we're just getting uh, we're just getting ready for the start of the season, which I cannot be any more thrilled about. Seven months of my life will be involved, will be revolved around that. Uh, but I also had the chance to watch a couple of movies um, and TV shows um, as well. So um, I think one that uh, you know that has caught my attention, and it's a classic. It's uh, Anthony Bourdain's. Uh, travel series uh so i'm uh, in the but no reservations yes that one um it's just uh you know i decided to watch his entire series because you know um it's been so impactful and still stunning um that he's no longer here with us but uh Mm -hmm. the way as to how he talked with various cult with traveling around the world talking with people about the culture the history through food it's it's something that you know um that i connect with on so many levels uh and so i'm in the middle of season eight right now um episode number four um and and uh you know just looking at it uh every you know on a nightly basis you know just brings back the memories because it it further reemphasizes my love of travel awesome and just going back to sports i'm not watching a new show but uh, I just started uh, another podcast. It's called the I Am Athlete Podcast, which I believe um, Brandon Marshall, former former NFL player Brandon Marshall, is one of the um, uh, one of the owners of, of this podcast. Uh, and it just in, in the podcast, it interviews from just some of the biggest athletes, both current and in the past. So I just finished the episode with Cam Newton, and then also the episode with um, Ocho Cinco, both players in the NFL. Cam Newton is current, and then Ocho Cinco is, is in the past. Uh, I actually would definitely recommend it if you're a fan of either player. Um, they both do not hold back on that podcast. Specifically, Ocho Cinco, as we've noticed, has had a 
a one of the greatest, probably at least I think he's one of the greatest athletes in the NFL. It had, he had a really great career. And he really his discussion on mental health and discussion on his mindset during his playing his playing time and where he's at today to me was left my jaw open. It was really really impactful in my life. So uh, that's one of my new things is just binging uh, episodes of the I Am Athlete podcast. Well, congrats on the new venture, my friend. I'll definitely check it out as well as our fellow audience members. After you listen to Marketer Pitch, please. Yes, yes. Market a pitch comes first, everyone. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so with that, even you speaking with um, spring training, I know that you know majority of teams are allowing fans in the um, in the the stadiums to watch the spring training games. So, with that, President Biden announced last week that every American will actually have access to one of the vaccines by May. Uh, we know that Johnson & Johnson is, is the latest, the third one, in addition to Pfizer and Moderna to now be approved in the United States. So uh, what are your thoughts on the vaccine? Uh, are you signed up to get one? Have you got one yet? Well, uh, uh, Corey, uh, I actually signed my parents up the other day for them to be on the wait list for them to get the vaccine, and I probably will be uh, getting it as well. Uh, I, for me personally, I'll, I'll have to wait till the, till it's available to the general public, uh, whether it's in May, June or July, but I'm going to get it. Yeah. They're um, saying think, May, they're saying, they're, they're now saying May that we all should have access to it. Just, you know, everyday healthy Americans should have access to May. I mean, from personal preference, I really want that Johnson and Johnson vaccination, uh, because it's one shot. Same. That's it. Same. Uh, I don't know if the answer, but just one shot. That's it. I'm done. But I'm very much looking forward to this. I think this is great news, much needed news for the country, actually, because we've all been itching to get some sort of normalcy back into our lives, even though there is no regular normal, quote unquote, uh, anymore. But at least to get some glimpse of that is actually pretty hopeful. Um, Also, um, it's, you know, it's great to see, you know, people are taking it much more seriously uh, but obviously, you know, it's also concerning on many levels because the amount of, dis- of misinformation that's being spread around uh, due to the constant, uh, the back and forth uh, in terms of negative messaging, you know, that's pretty much put in a damper, plus with uh, how the toxic environment is currently sowed right now, um, it has created a lot of doubt uh, within um uh, not only within individ- the general public, but also of the distributors uh, of the vaccine and other brands who are closely tied with it, along with state, local, and federal levels. And Corey, I think you're going to talk about this a little bit more during uh, your ad chat segment. Am I right? Yes. Uh, look for that coming up. But, um, but yeah, I definitely think consumer confidence is the key to getting the United States to join a lot of the other, almost the rest of the world and herd immunity and getting folks on board with excited to take the vaccine and realizing like, yes, there could be small uh, side effects. Uh, my mother, actually, she took the vaccine, uh, her first dose of the Pfizer vaccine last week, and she had a slight uh, allergic reaction to it. Not much, but a slight allergic reaction to the vaccine. And she really knows that when she gets her second dose, she probably more likely will have a reaction to it. But like she said, and I think everyone should have this same mindset, her having a small allergic reaction is a lot better than her getting COVID. So it's like, pick your, it's not pick your poison. It's, do you want to just have slight discomfort for maybe a few hours? 
or do you want to possibly be on a ventilator or in the hospital or unfortunately pass away from getting this deadly de- uh, this deadly disease and virus? I think it's going to be really interesting to see how a PR communicators as well as marketing execs, you know, continue to push the message on the messaging front about these COVID vaccines. Uh, because now at such a critical time where we are about to hit herd immunity, uh, now more than ever, people need to be in real time very much well aware as to what these vaccines are, the side effects, the pros and cons, but more importantly, boost the consumer confidence uh, that these vaccines can in fact be taken and be able to help you to protect yourself from COVID-19. Uh, so it's going to be uh, really interesting uh, to see as to how how everyone involved is going to you know is going to play a role in this. Yes. Um, so hopefully, like fingers crossed, that we're both signed up in the next couple of months because I'm definitely looking forward to traveling. Oh, if you hit it right on the nail, Corey. I'm I've been itching to get onto an airplane for some time now. That's definitely one of the the big to dos on my list is to start traveling again domestically and internationally. Yes. Um, so with that, uh, I do want to say and we'll, we would be remiss because this week, specifically, depending when you listen to the podcast, is International Women's Day. And we know this month is Women's History Month. We will be uh, dedicating a more specialized episode to this. But I definitely want to just say um, to you, Yesenia, definitely thank you for all you do. This world, of course, would not be where it's at today without women, specifically in the advertising, marketing, and PR industries. Uh, women have, have become big trailblazers. Women pretty much make up the industry today. And um, I definitely just want to highlight and celebrate all women. Oh, thank you, Corey. That is incredibly sweet of you. Um, and I also want to give a huge special shout out you know, to all the, you know, to all the female game changers, trailblazers and influencers, not only across uh, PR and marketing, but also industry, uh, industry sector wide. Uh, the fact that we have come so far to continue the, the fight for a fair, equitable future, uh, but also t- to celebrate our accomplishments up to this point is absolutely incredible. And yes, happy International Women's Day to all of to all the ladies raise the roof uh, because we deserve it and we're going to continue the fight. Uh, IWDs, uh, this, uh, they did a challenge uh, for this year's a particular uh, topic, which is hashtag choose to challenge. And I choose to, uh, you know, to challenge everyone to continue spreading the word about the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, and more importantly, the fight to continue for gender equality everywhere. Yes. So with that, let's get our started with our show. We have our news headline, followed by my ad chat, then Yesenia's PR bulletin board. And finally, we highlight another woman pioneer in our industry. So moving on to our news headlines from the past week. Uh, the first headline for the week comes to us from Ad Age with the headline, Disney CEO says moving going has probably changed forever. In the article, Walt Disney Chief Executive Officer Bob Chapik said he believes that there have been fundamental changes in people's attitudes towards movie going, trends that will probably continue till, until after the pandemic passes. In the article, he also added that consumers are probably more impatient than they have ever been before, particularly since now they've had the luxury of an entire year of getting titles at home at the same time that they're in the theater. And he's actually not sure that 
there's ever going there's any going back to just having only in theater releases and not a tandem in theater and at home release uh what's your what's your opinion on this do you are you clamoring to get back into theaters are you liking now be able to see uh, a big movie on on opening day i know coming to america just came out this past week and um, i didn't get to see it but i have plans to just watch it on amazon prime pretty soon i don't know if it was in theaters would i really be trying to go there but what are your what's your thoughts we talked about this in previous episodes, my friend. Uh, the cinema industry and the movie-going industry are are one of the uh, entertainment industry sectors that have been hit the hardest due to COVID-19. I mentioned how the cinema and exhibition industries must quickly come up with a new plan to bring people back in the theaters. The hybrid theater streaming service model is here to stay. Flat out. Uh, you know, at a conference, uh, Disney CEO Bob Chapek uh, mentioned that the old approach with a gap between when a movie comes out in theaters and when it's available on demand, he said, quote unquote, wasn't viable anymore. And I kind of agree with that sentiment. Uh, people can no longer no longer need to go to a movie theater and spend $20 on a movie that they can that they can access on a streaming service at home. The content is what's going to keep people attracted to these streaming channels. Original content on top of the access to a top of the line a studio temple. So Though all of Hollywood uh, studios are currently experimenting with ways to preserve the formerly lucrative theatrical release uh, window, the movie-going experience has probably changed to uh, fundamentally across the board, and is unlikely to co- to completely return to uh, previous patterns. Um, and so, um, I definitely have been, um, and it's been well chronicled. I am all for for this type of change because. Um, for the for me, in order for me to spend twenty dollars on you know to go to the movies, it has to be a big event, like Avengers Endgame style type event that uh, that I definitely feel I can see at a movie theater versus at home. Like for example, Coming to America, I actually did see the movie on Amazon Prime and uh, I actually enjoyed it. Uh, and so um, this is definitely something. Uh, from uh, from a movie going approach that I definitely am planning uh, to implement. Yeah, you actually just took the words right out of my mouth. I'm in total agreement with you. I definitely think the movies are the future, which Disney probably will benefit the most because they have a lot of these. But I definitely think the big blockbusters, the uh, the superhero movies, horror films, uh, cultural iconic movies like a Coming to America or you know or or another sequel. I definitely think those are the movies that you want to go to theaters to see the thing the movie going experience is a mix of being with other people and seeing a movie and all experiencing and watching it for the first time and sometimes interacting with the screen i i know a lot of people don't but i I like people when they're talking or laughing and i like hearing that feedback sometimes you have a completely different experience watching a movie in theater and then when you watch it later at home like oh it, it feels different Specifically for me, uh, the movie Get Out, Jordan Peele's Get Out that came out in 2017 was like that. I went to the theater to see it, and it was a, such an amazing. People were enjoying it, clapping, applauding, but watching it after, it's still a great movie, but it lost a little bit of its luster to me watching it at home versus seeing it in the theater with other people. So I definitely think that the big studios are going to have to only release the big blockbusters in theaters, which means, unfortunately, a lot of the rom-coms, the Matthew McConaughey movies, the Jennifer Aniston movies, Reese, Reese, yep. Reese, Reese, Reese Witherspoon movies, 
HBO Max, Netflix, Amazon Prime, because I'm not going to go pay $20 to go see Reese, Withers- Reese Witherspoon and Matthew McConaughey fall in love. I'm not. Oh, oh yeah, uh, absolutely, my friend. Uh, you hit it right on the nail. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that consumer appetites have been reshaped uh, a full year due to the pandemic uh, lockdown that has caused uh, movie theaters to grow, uh, to close, though we have started seeing reports that movie theaters are opening up nationwide uh, to at least somewhat of a 25% capacity. But but overall, the attitude, the attitude shift, I should say, is going to be far more problematic and profound in the long run. Why? Because uh, the consumers are going to be a little bit more impatient than they've ever been uh, before, especially now that they have the luxury of an entire year uh, getting different types of titles at home pretty much whenever and whenever they want. So it's it's going to be a question mark as to whether or not they're going to be uh, coming back. It definitely provides households with a worthwhile alternative option, even if theaters are open and everyone loves options, including yours truly. And don't forget, other movie studios are premiering studio temples across the streaming services. So we already know about HBO Max and Warner Brothers per our previous episodes. And now Paramount Plus, who recently launched their own streaming services, will debut the latest Tom Cruise Mission Impossible film on both movie theaters and streaming services. Yes. Um, so I know that, you know, we need to move on to other segments, but I definitely want to get the second headline and almost do a quick bite. Uh, the second headline comes to us from PRDaily.com. That's the article titled Goldman Sachs CEO uh, calls work from home an aberration. David Solomon, who is the chief executive of Goldman Sachs in the article, said that the organization is aiming to return to the office full time, shunning the, and I quote, new normal of working from home and a future of a hybrid and digital workplaces uh, is definitely a thing in the past. So Quick bite, what's your opinion on this? I'm working from home, and do you think it's here to stay, kind of like movie going? Do you think, as a whole, we're going to be working from home? Or do you think that once we have herd immunity, 2022, we'll be back to where we were in 2019? All right, just a, you know, a quick wrap-up you know, uh, regarding this particular segment, because we're going to be, I'm going to actually specifically talk about this more in depth oh, okay. on my bulletin board. Uh, Obviously, there's going to be individuals or organizations that plan out that plan out do not agree with remote working. Everyone has their preferences, but as we head to this new normal, companies must be open-minded with these inevitable changes. Look, I understand working in office has its benefits from team collaboration, culture, professional development, especially with apprentice apprenticeships and mentorships, among others. But there is no need to be closed off to these changes. Instead, companies must listen to employee feedback. Listen to what your workforce has to say about this issue. Don't assume that just because your own personal experience is the only valid way moving forward. Instead, be open-minded, explore other additional options, and then eventually ultimately decide based on a team collaborative effort from your employees what what is the best option uh, moving forward for your organization. Yes, so I agree with you. Let's not talk too further on this because I actually want to hear more in depth in your extended uh, PR uh, bulletin board. All right, then let's, uh, we can definitely hold on to that. Yes, so let's move on to the next segment. It is my ad chat where I give you uh, just some of the latest news that I'm seeing in, from the advertising and marketing world that piqued my interest. So my ad chat comes to us from uh, Adweek. It's all about big pharma and the COVID vaccines that are entering millions of Americans' arms as we speak. 
The article is titled, Why COVID-19 Vaccines Might Be Big Pharma's Last Big Chance to Repair Its Reputation. And it's a very good deep dive around consumer opinions and favorability surrounding Big Pharma. So to take a step back, let's just take a, a look at the role Big Pharma has played over the past year. Going back a year ago, majority of the big pharmaceutical companies spent the past year developing a COVID vac- vaccination in conjunction with, with government agencies from all around the world. The end result was by the end of 2020, we had two companies, which are Pfizer and Moderna, with approvals from the FDA to begin sending out vaccines to Americans. And another company, AstraZeneca, was approved to administer vaccinations in the UK, not yet in the US. And as of March 2021, last, last week, uh, less than a year after the coronavirus shut down the world, Johnson & Johnson, another big pharma company that we all know, and we talked about earlier, received approval to send out a single-shot vaccination to Americans. The fast track of the vaccination by these companies have been an amazing, and as we take the article to examine if the results will pay off in much bigger ways than just financial. Because we know in our industry that uh, your financial payment is just a small part of a brand success. Of consumer opinion and consumer favorability really determines our brand success. So I'm sure not all of us will be shocked here, but Americans have historically had a mistrust and negative view of the pharma industry. In fact, in 2019, Gallup released a poll that showed Americans views various industries, to show how Americans view various industries. In the poll, the restaurant industry enjoyed the highest public esteem. The lowest re- that in the, uh, in the poll went to big pharma with actually 58, a majority of Americans, 58% said they had a negative view of the industry. Americans mistrusted pharmaceutical firms more deeply than they did advertising and even the federal government. But that should not be a surprise to big pharma. Why would Americans hold these negative views? Maybe it's due to the high prices of pharmaceutical drugs they leave, that leave many Americans not having access to save their own lives because they can't afford the medicine. We all remember the farmer bro who famously jacked up the prices to his HIV drug from $13 a pill to $750 a pill. Maybe it's also due to some of the lies that the pharma industry has been a part of. Who can forget the billion-dollar settlement from J&J who had tainted baby powder that resulted in, in dead babies? Or even Big Pharma's role in the opioid crisis that is still killing Americans and harming their community. There have been detailed articles and documentaries on how the pharma industry will push doctors to overprescribe their medicine. This is nuts. This all goes back to greed, and the view from many of us is that Big Pharma has never been here to help us, but just to take our money and prolong our sickness. Enter COVID-19. I must admit that Big Pharma's action this past year has surprised me, as I now can see that they're actively helping our fellow citizens and not trying to sell the vaccine to the highest bidder. A poll taken last month even agreed to that sentiment. The pharmaceutical industry's net favorability with the public stood at 22% in February 2020, just as COVID-19 was taking root in America. As of this month, it's now 26%. So if Big Pharma can keep this up, then their change in perception of Americans can be at its highest level since they developed the polio vaccine in the 50s. So I definitely think it's a good start, but I will hope the Big Pharma industry takes this goodwill and continues to be transparent, ethical, and trustful and trustful for years to come on all their products. 
So, Yesenia, with that, I just want to get you in the conversation. What are your thoughts? And are you now starting to trust Big Pharma Well, this is, again, this is a critical time for big pharmaceutical companies because they have to be factually correct in terms as to how they transmit uh, their their COVID-19 vaccine messaging. Listen, uh, due to, as we've reiterated uh, in the past, due to the current environment that we're living in, there's so much misinformation, distrust among the public regarding these vaccines basically uh, these pharmaceutical companies have they're basically on thin ice uh and they have a very very tight rope walk that they have to that they have to do in order to ensure that uh these um that the general public will develop the confidence uh in order to be able to take uh take these vaccines again we've uh it's going to be really interesting to see you know the strategy as to what Pfizer, moderna uh johnson and johnson and everybody you know who is associate who is working with these organizations on all various sectors to figure out to to develop both a universal and targeted messaging that is straight up factual to the point where they got it consistently keep hitting on that message over and over and over again but unfortunately my big concern is that due to the you know due to the fact since this entire pandemic has started has become so political that uh my uh i am not sure as to you know how uh these pharmaceutical companies can recover if absolutely everything right now is being politicized for no apparent reason it's a public health emergency for christ's sakes yeah, I agree. And um, I, I, I definitely do think, like I said, it's a, it's a good way to, to, for them to get back in our good graces. But I kind of just, just look at everything with a 10-foot pole because of the politicization of this virus, because of the issues surrounding it. I definitely think it's, um, the, our goodwill can go quickly stage left if something happens. Or if uh, we find out news that these companies were doing something shady with the Trump administration, the previous administration, or another government agency from around the world. But I definitely um, think as of now, it's, um, it's only up from here if they, if they want it to be. Yep, and uh, that's all we, uh, you know, again, it's up to these, you know, these organizations to, again, uh, be able to deliver the facts in real time, be empathetic to, uh, to launch a crisis communications plan uh, that uh, that talks about you know uh, all you know everything that has happened uh, up to this point and as well as the COVID uh, vaccine, the rollout, and what do they need to do differently, you know, in order to again redevelop the trust uh, to the public. Yes. So with that, that is my ad chat for the week. Like always, if you have an opinion on uh, my ad chat, please just send me a note at market or pitch at gmail.com. And I'm here to um, hopefully just share your opinions and, and maybe get into a good, healthy debate. So let me know your thoughts. So with that, let's move on to Yesenia's bulletin board where she shares her thoughts on news from the PR world. And today she has something to share in regards to workplace wellness. So thank you, my friend. Well, we are now entering into the one year uh, anniversaries of the start of the COVID pandemic, pandemic, one of the 21st century's biggest life-changing events. There are plenty of discussions and more importantly, self-reflection as we try to navigate through this new normal. And what comes out of it post-COVID? Answer, a lot across the board. 
from a business standpoint, every industry sector is readjusting to this new normal. Employers and employees are currently deciding what trend will work best on both the short-term and long-term. Reagan Workplace Wellness published an article, here's what workers are thinking and what they need from their employers a year into the pandemic, where they surveyed workers answering they feel much more productive and happy when, they've give, when they are given the ability to work remotely. But many will reject the deal if it came with a lower salary or no benefits. Definitely, remote and hybrid um, teams do have uh, several benefits, including attracting top ta talent who want greater flexibility. There's no doubt about it. Remote working is here to stay, for good. Whether businesses like it or not, I'm talking to you, David Solman of Goldman Sachs. It's here forever. As many organizations analyze future, including remote employee and hybrid work environments, what many employees are rejecting is any trade-off that might lead to a reduced salary or compensation benefits. The ideas have been floated around, but workers are not having it. So what should businesses do? The work-life balance is now embedded into the spotlight. There has to be a balance where employees can thrive in any office environment, but also be able to live their lives in whatever shape they want. A productive workforce is a happy workforce. From a PR perspective, it's important, it's important for employees to be highly engaged in their operations, but also in their wellness. We're witnessing companies incorporating a bigger wellness connection to their programs. Here are some, po some pointers to take. First, stay motivated. It could be a challenge, but understanding what employees are, hap are, are happy with and eventually implement it to your strategy could be the difference between productivity and unproductivity. Perhaps maybe bringing in a wellness director or simply asking employees what they want to have in their benefits and perks package. It could be anything whether it's uh, exercising, uh, music, uh, or any other uh, options. Communi communicators and wellness pros can think about ways to incorporate these elements into the virtual work experience to help boost morale. Second, engagement. Figuring out when will be the best time to engage with employees could give you an idea as to how engaging they are in terms of consuming information. The biggest segment for employees uh, to engage with them in terms of peak productivity is before lunch or the morning. For, or, for communicators, wellness pros are looking to lead activities or connect across the organization. Data is suggesting that earlier in the day will grab more attention, but it might also interfere with other important work duties. It's important for uh, employers to eventually find a, a space and time where they can be able to engage with employees. Three, perk up. Figure out what other perks you can give employees that will greatly benefit them, whether it's an office, hybrid, or work environments. It reveals how employees feel as well. For example, per the survey, the number one perk that employees want is to have a stipend to improve their home office. The second most popular request was a meal allowance in order to order a lunch uh, delivery. Many different types of perks. It's up to the organization to ultimately decide what is best for the employees. Always listen to them. Four training offerings. Employees are looking for trainings, but what kind of trainings are they looking for? Be a little bit more specific. One area is emotional resilience training, where there are resources around relaxation techniques, breathing, and other mental health exercises. However, upscaling is a pervasive a problem that goes beyond wellness alone. Employee retraining is one of the top priorities for HR departments in 2021, as the pandemic has revealed a need for new skills across organizations. HR departments must figure out a way to adopt a dynamic approach to reskill and redeploy talent once 
uh, in all the impacted areas and find ways to work together and redevelop new skills when new, new needs come up. And finally, the apprenticeship model. This is something that's going to be on the rise. It will also build a new essential tool to assist organizations in tackling the problem of diversity, equity, and inclusion. It offers new opportunities to young pros from underprivileged backgrounds and an apprenticeship model. Having one, of the, ha having one will improve training and upskill offerings to create an apprentice or mentorship program within the organization to tap the expertise of senior and young underprivileged pros. Corey, the reinventing of the workplace is taking shape. We're seeing trends that will not only have a permanent base, but also one that will make an impact for everyone involved. Wellness and self-care now must be added to their PR and HR plans to keep employee engagement. Thoughts? Yes. And uh, which I was going to share with you earlier during the, um, the Goldman CEO's opinion, but I definitely think just the uh, working from home and the, or at least a hybrid model is definitely here to stay. I know what I'm looking for a company is right now is looking for a company that allows flexibility because it, as we determined, as we found out over the past year, self-care is important. And a lot of people uh, realize that going to the office for 40, 50, 60 hours a week, day in and day out, fighting traffic to get there, is definitely detrimental to self-care. So, so having the ability to maybe only go into the office maybe once or twice a week and have the ability to be at home in your own environment and work and your company is actually supporting you between giving you a stipend to maybe boost up your working from home environment or at the very least, like you said, giving you a meal and just being there and allowing you that flexibility to not necessarily have to go back into the office. So just like with companies, I know about 10 or 15 years ago, the big way specifically between um, a lot of tech companies in San Francisco was come work for us. We have free lunches. We have a game table. We have a bar that we uh, unlimited beer come work from us. We have happy hours. It was very uh, about the social interaction within the office. Now those same companies need to get innovative and think about how they can support their employee and the well-being of their employee gets at home. And yeah, like you said, doing some of these things will definitely support it. But I definitely think some of these companies are going to be hard, are, are going to find out very hard really soon that it, when they ask their employees to come back, it's going to be a revolt. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, the hybrid model is here to stay for good. And we have evidently seen, you know, just how wellness has been incredibly critical for these organizations to incorporate to their compensation package, uh, benefits packages, perks, among other avenues. So I'm going to wrap up with this. Internal communications must now find more dynamic ways to not only maintain employee engagement, but also tell the organization's story from an internal lens. New communications hybrids are either in place or in beta testing. This is now the time for PR departments to be extra creative in terms of developing storylines and production for them to remain informed. They also need to get, get them more involved uh, in the organization, depending on the operational structure, how they will contribute to the overall strategy in promoting their story of voice. Awesome. So uh, with that, like, again, if you have any opinions, please just email Yesenia at marketerpish at gmail.com and she will answer you. Um, My ASAP. line is open. So before I end things today, I want to give our listeners another woman pioneer in the advertising industry to celebrate Women's History Month and acknowledge International Women's Day uh, that's happening this week. 
So the honoree today is Barbara Gardner Proctor. Proctor of Proctor and Gardner is the first African American woman to own and operate an ad agency, which opened in 1970. By 1983, 13 years later, the company had 12 million in billings, and some of Proctor and Gardner's longstanding clients included Kraft Foods and Sears. So you may ask, why is it called Proctor and Gardner? Who's Gardner? So according to the New York Times, she did not have a business partner. She used her married name and her maiden name to create an impression that there might be a male associate in case any potential clients had chauvinistic leanings. I'm sure that probably helped her dramatically. So with that, definitely thank you guys for listening to episode 11 of the Marketer Pitch podcast. Again, episode 12 is our last episode of this season. We are so happy that you guys have been with us on this journey and we look forward to welcoming you back to episode 12. So Yesenia, before we sign off, anything else? Well, I just want to thank our audience for tuning in. Don't forget to like, comment, share, subscribe, or leave a review. Email us at marketerpitch.com to comment on any of our segments. The podcast is available on all major podcasting mediums to catch up on this and all 10 episodes. Uh, And don't forget about YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. And we'll definitely see you next time for episode 12, our season one finale. Sounds good, everyone. Have a good one. Goodbye. Ah!